Welcome to Modern Day Abigails, a women's outreach of Calvary Chapel Pearland. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So let's listen to God's Word, where everyday lives transform, and where we can become the women God created us to be. I'm looking at your jokes, Jalen. Go for it. My jokes? Your, your notes. My notes. Yeah, the weight. We are about to talk about some really hard subjects. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, we are about to talk about some really, really hard subjects. So, uh, like we mentioned earlier, don't turn this off. We just need you to stick with us. We don't want the enemy to have this. We don't want the enemy to win. Instead, we want to let the Lord speak to you. And if this message that we're about to talk about, because it is about to get heavy, if it is not for you, maybe it is for someone else that you love and that you care about that needs to hear it. So that way you can just pass it on. And, um, you know, what's interesting, Joanna, is that in between our last episode. And I forgot that my notes are in blue. So. <laughs> I was, well, you know, I was looking at that. And I'm like, I don't remember right now. I normally <laughs> don't put anything in blue. I, I, yeah, I actually usually pink. Yes, but I put my testimony in pink. I normally put my notes in green, mm-hmm. but when it printed, it printed blue. So I'm a little bit thrown off, which is why you've had to notify me twice. Well, that's okay. I'm a little thrown off too because I usually use blue and I'm like, and this last time I didn't, and I'm like, I don't remember writing that. And you're, part of your scriptures are in blue. Yeah, I yeah. swear to you, I used green. It's so okay. I don't know what's going on here. It's okay. Um, but what's interesting, Joanna, is between our last episode, we kind of mentioned abortion. And this one is Road versus Wade got turned over. And so now it's back in the state's hands to make, let the voters decide. And I just am so been not surprised, but surprised seeing the news articles. We are fighting to kill our children. How many people are oh, there fighting, fighting hard. hard to be able to kill some instead of fighting for a woman's true health, mental, uh, physical and emotional health? Uh, finding out, like I said, some of these women are having abortions because they're forced to because they're being human trafficked. But hey, Planned Parenthood didn't ask you why you were there. They didn't care. Right. Um, when they could have called the cops and got yeah, you some help. I exactly. Mean, but hey. So um, I've been really, like I said, shocked, but not shocked watching people fight to kill. <laughs> I'm like, wow. But it's not new. Actually, killing the preborn is actually not new. It's not like, hey, this is this century because uh, male worshipers used to sacrifice their children to false gods. Um, killing a specific gender is not new either. Uh, we're going to actually talk about that because there's two women who were ordered to kill all the baby boys as soon as they were born, but they chose to fight for the children because they feared God. Proverbs nine ten, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy one is understanding. So, um, Israel was, um, after Joseph had went through his his ordeal and, and his family moved. Uh, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And, but God was growing his people in the difficulty. Lord, ladies, I know we don't like being like the difficulty, but that's how we grow. We actually grow in the difficulty. It's the only time that we really listen to the Lord is when right. we're in trauma or tragedy. It's, it hurts and it's hard, but it's necessary. Um, I couldn't tell you. I mean, that's. The difficulties is what grew me. That's what got me, taught me how to pray. And I think I even talk about that later. That's how I learned how to pray is because of the difficulty. Oh, yeah. That's when I got on my knees. Yeah. 
So this king over Egypt, um, a lot of times we like to call him Pharaoh, but in the Bible, it was they call him king of Egypt. Um, he was disturbed by this growing number of Israelites because if they outnumbered his army, in theory, they could take over. Uh, therefore, this king had a plan. We're just going to kill all the baby boys. Uh, you know, if you want to know the truth, that countries still try this tactic. China came up with the one-child policy, so most of the abortions they have, because even though Texas has the second largest abortion clinic, China has the first largest abortion clinic, and most of them are girls. Uh, they also do a lot of unwanted children. And so what's interesting, though, because they have lots of these boys in China, they're leaving to go to other countries for an education, and they meet girls, and they wind up getting married, and they don't go back to China. <laughs> they just don't go back. Um, also, I wonder why that is. Exactly. That's what somebody pointed out. They're like, okay, you, you, because of this, now China's going to be having trouble. They got all these boys. They don't have girls. Um, they're, they're leaving the what country. What you going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they have, uh, so they have had a lot of issues. And then, but this is all still not the first time because the Holocaust was purposed to kill all the Jews because they decided to marginalize groups of people. They dehumanized the people. And when you start dehumanizing them, it gets easier and easier to get rid of them. And that's what we were doing in the U.S. in 1973 when they decided it's okay to call the preborn just a clump of cells and decided that, oh, it's women's health, so we can just get rid of the baby. What about the baby's health? Yeah, exactly. What about the baby's health? What about actually what they don't talk about is the mom's mental health. Because we do work with that one pro-life group in Israel. And and we get the prayer requests and the, the the mental health, they're never the same. It, it hurts them, and some of them, they're like they were so traumatized. They they'll get pregnant again. They're like, no, I was so traumatized, I can't do it again. I don't know how I'm going to take care of this baby, but I can't do that again. Yeah. Some of them are literally kicking and screaming. They don't want it, and they have no they have no choice. So we're talking about two women who did make a choice for the preborn. We're also gonna I'm gonna throw in here. Uh-huh. Um, we're also gonna talk about two different growings. During when Anna's talking about scripture, one is multiplying, like you know, more family members, and the other is where the Lord is growing us. Yes, and so we get to see when she's talking about that that the Lord grows us and shapes us and changes us, and that's the good growing, right? If we allow it, yeah, He's not going to force you. No, He's a gentleman. He does not not force force Himself on us. Nope, and He gives us options, right? You know. Um, so that's why we're going to, uh, so let's talk about the nar- nurse midwives. Um, we're going to start them and starting in verse 12, uh, Exodus 1, verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the Egyptians afflicting the Israelites, the more the, they, the Israelites, multiplied, meaning lots and lots of babies, and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. I think they'd be too tired, but apparently not. <laughs> I don't After think a long, t- hard yeah. day's work, why not? <laughs> hey, personally, per, for me, because <laughs> oh, I know I, I hear that excuse a lot from women. I'm too tired. I'm too tired. Me, I'm like, man, that is the only time I can think of nothing. Right. <laughs> it's like I finally have a way to think of nothing. So maybe that's what it was. And they're like, hey, we got this brief moment to think of nothing. Yep. Kids are in bed. Yep. We got something to do here. <laughs> So what happened was that nothing means, is off limits. Nope, not with on this us, show. Apparently, nope, not on this show. We try to keep it clean. Yes, um, uh, <laughs> the children of Israel. So they they just didn't lie down and give up. They prospered in this affliction. So can we? 
um, we might look at this situation and think it was hopeless. You know, I was 17 when I got pregnant. I was the nerdy honor student who was bullied. I had planned to go to medical school because I wanted to be going to the forensic science and I wanted to do autopsies. And that was before it was real popular. And the only books I had to read were back from like the 60s and 70s before like DNA and everything. So it was fascinating. It was fascinating to me that how do you can solve? I, I love solving mysteries, you know, or like, I, you know, what happens when you're a Scooby-Doo fan? So I thought it would be great. Which we have Scooby-Doo shirts. Yes, we do. <laughs> I have three seasons of Scooby-Doo. The classic. <laughs> I don't like the new stuff. The new Scooby-Doo can't stand it. The classic. Um, but I didn't go that direction because I had a baby to raise. And I wanted to raise my baby. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to go to medical school, try to work. I needed to work because, you know, I was only married for a couple of years and because he was abusive and not like your abuse. The Lord rescued me before it really got bad. I think it was like my abuse. You just got out a lot sooner. Yeah, I did. Well, he did not physically start hitting. He didn't oh, you weren't there yet. Okay. Not yet. He was threatening it. And I, I knew it was coming. Yeah. Well, he was going to do it one day. Absolute fear. Yeah. I mean, it was coming. I mean, Yours it was, was bad. Yeah, it was threats all the time. And um, and until I started, that's when the Lord really started teaching me how to pray. And I, when he realized I was not afraid anymore of him. Uh, what One of us was smart enough to get out <laughs> after two, two and a half years instead of almost 20. <laughs> one uh, of us was not but, smart enough. <laughs> but no, but my difference was I had a family to go to. That's true. I had a family who was willing to help rescue me. That's, that's true. the biggest difference. Yeah. And that's why one of these late, the reasons ladies were discussing that is, do your children know that they can come to you? Do they know that you will rescue them? Now, did that mean my parents approved of my bad behavior? No. Did that mean they were just going to let me keep on uh, it's sinning? No. I, I, I learned from that experience. And I learned there what, was no way your dad was going to take any of that crap. No, no, he just wasn't. No. And I learned my lesson. I, yeah. We're going to help you. We're going to get you through this. But I expect you to learn from it and not do it again. And that's okay. true repentance. That was a really good picture of true repentance when we turn around and we don't do our old ways. Right. And, and I had I knew other people who were who were in a similar situation for me, but they didn't learn that. And it, it yeah. did not. And it's their lives are still kind of a, their still lives are still a mess. They are. And but mine is not a mess. Because I repented, I turned around. And so the Lord moved me instead into supply chain and logistics that I can use for the ministry. Now, I worked a corporate life, which I don't like the corporate life, but the Lord said, this is what I need you to do because I need you to build relationships. And that's one of the things I do in it's my secular job. I'm putting that in air quotes, Joanna, because I see your air quotes. I see them. What the Lord says is I need you to go there and teach you how to I want you to teach people how to build relationships. And through communication. And so, I mean, this is a simplified version, but the, but the, the point is the Lord met me where I was. I was in a bad place, but he completely changed my life around. Joanna, do you have anything? I know you have a bigger testimony in just a little bit. Do you have anything to add here before we get in just a little bit? We're going to get to your main, your main testimony. I don't because I want you to finish your story. Okay. So our- it's a good one. Let's not interrupt it. I'm not going to, I'll jump in later. Okay. So our affliction grew us and drew us to the Lord so that we would live our lives for Jesus. And we gave our lives to Jesus. And I remember thinking, Lord, I am nothing but an ant that is squishable. And the Lord replied to me, but through Christ, you are everything. Now, I was not at church, ladies. Not my little prayer closet. I wasn't even in my house. I was at a daycare. Signing my son in that morning. 
when all of a sudden it was as if time stopped, I felt a warmth and I started having this weird conversation. And and is, in that conversation Is that on camera? What? I'm sorry. No, uh, it might have been. I don't know. <laughs> that was the weird part. I really expected it. I thought it was a long conversation. I expected the clock to move, but it was very morning daycare. Not one daycare worker was in there with me. Not one parent was in there. I was alone in that room all by myself. The Lord needed a moment with you. Keep talking. Yeah, the Lord just needed a moment with you. He's fine. I know, but his collar was annoying me. <laughs> okay, sorry, ladies. I have to take off both the dog's of collar her, off. Both of her dogs, which I now have pictures of, <laughs> uh, of podcast day, her dogs are laying in their huge dog bed together, and one of them was scratching his neck, and the collar was jingling, yes. and Anna was and not having it. No. And every once in a while, we'll get all three, the two dogs and a cat on that same bed. Yeah. <laughs> every once in a while. They're chilling. Yep. Anyway, okay. This is the best time. they. Hey, they're, they're not whining. I'm so right? happy. Yeah. So anyway, so that is when, so I'm at this daycare. I just dropped off my son. I had a habit of getting him in his room. He had to have his little pencil box that I could fit in a Pop-Tart. I do not recommend Pop-Tarts, but I'm just saying I was not a great mom at that time. But he had this little pencil box. And if I put his Pop-Tart and a a Capri Sun in there, it fit perfect. And as long as I did that, he wouldn't cry when I left. He needed to know he had breakfast, even though they fed him at the daycare. (laughs) I know, but he had past issues, which you've mentioned before. Which I didn't know about until he got older. And I thought... I just thought it was like, all right, you're two. All righty. Yeah. You know, but then I found out later it was because somebody, his, his biological dad had denied him food and he was hungry. So he had to have, so uh, I'm just glad the Lord didn't. It was his safety blanket. Yeah. And the Lord showed it to me, even though I didn't understand what was going on, the Lord had put it into me like, hey, you make sure he has it. So anyway, he did. So I would have a ch- get him in there. Pop-Tarts rock, by the way. So they're don't be so dogging unhealthy. them. Yeah, I they know, are but good, but they're dang. so unhealthy. They're delicious. Yeah, I know. I agree. I, I looked at them. Um, I forgot. It was in the freezer section <laughs> don't the other day. look at the ingredients. Gosh, I missed those, right? I forgot what it was. It's the... It's the same thing. Toaster strudels. Oh, I was at the I freezer department. I looked at Ray and I looked at the toaster strudels. I'm like, I miss those. <laughs> there Poor isn't Ray. anything about that that you can personally so, have because of your allergies. I know. <laughs> but that's when the Lord met me. He met me at this little daycare in the morning on my way to work. And I said, Lord, I'm nothing but an ant that's squishable. And he said, but through Christ, you are everything. And, and I noticed that the Lord didn't disagree with me. He didn't say, sweetie, that's not true. You're a perfect princess or in some other jibber jabber. Uh, he told me I needed Christ to take over my life. And I told him that he could have my life because I didn't like mine and he could have it and take it. It was his because I could not stand my life anymore. And he said, thank you. <laughs> and Finally. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> oh, good. You're going to give in to me now. Yeah. I've been working with you all these years and yeah. you're going to finally let me change you. Been waiting patiently. Yep. It, it it was a painful time has arrived. Let's see. Probably over 20 years, 25 years. Yeah, about 25 years of I'm going to change you. It's going to hurt. You're going to look back and think, oh, gosh, I was so dumb. But he's but he always tells me, but look where you are now. Yeah. Some of us, it takes a lot longer than others. I myself have a long history like Anna. Yes. So in this affliction, what we're seeing in the Israelites, they have all this affliction but they're multiplying even in the affliction and it's making their enemy, just like it makes our enemy, very upset and worrisome. So his en- this enemy of the Israelites, the Egyptian king, is thinking, okay, what if they take me over? What if they overpower me? I mean, that's pretty good that he actually thought they could. 
He was thinking that they're going to overpower him. He was scared of him. Yes, he was. Something in their mannerisms or daily life scared him. Because he, he, even though he did not know uh, Joseph or the God of Joseph, God was making himself known to this this king through his people. And he was scared. Uh, So what we do is... As they should have been. Yeah. If you read later, which we're not getting into, but he should have been. Yeah, keep reading. So in Exodus 1, verse 13... So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And I'm like, wow, that's a that's a heck of a word. Did you look up rigor? Yeah, it does. It's a sudden feeling of cold with shivering accompanied by a rise in temperature. Oh. So um so anyway, um I think they there's were another in distress. One. <laughs> uh, yeah, strictness, severity, sternness. Okay, so apparently there's a couple of rigor oh, that was like rigor mortis. <laughs> So the other rigor was being stern and harsh. Yeah. He was trying to make their lives miserable. I don't know what he was accomplishing there. If you kill them, they're not going to be able to work very hard. I know, but it's a form of uh, 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 mental yes. abuse. Yeah, it, that's true. And it's also a form of power. Yeah. He wanted to show them that he had power over them. And in verse 14, it says, in uh, Exodus one fourteen, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and in all matter of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. Could you imagine that, Joy? I'm going to stop there. I was just sitting there thinking, could you imagine getting a, hey, um, you two, you got to come talk to the Egyptian king. Could you imagine them, their thoughts? They probably walked in, their knees were shaking. I'm sure they were scared, <laughs> scared to, to death. death. Yeah. What does this guy want with us? We're just yeah. nurse midwives. What do you want with us? We just deliver babies. Um, so continuing after the comment, of whom the name one was Sapphira and the other name was Pua. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on their birth stools, it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, you shall let her live. Uh so he's trying to destroy a people group within one generation. And this is not the last time somebody's going to try that because King Herod also tries that to kill all the boys to and under because he was trying to stop Jesus and that failed as well. So some of the scholars believed that they were not like the only two nurse midwives. They thought maybe they were ahead of the nurse wives mid wives group. Like they had a group of midwives and they were the head of it. And they were supposed to tell all the midwives, hey, make sure. You um, you kill all the baby boys, but perhaps there was only two. Uh, we do know that that's not the point. But it is neat that Sapphira means beauty and Pua means splendor. I was thinking of the Lord's beauty and the Lord's splendor, but also thought it was such a neat way that here they are helping deliver babies to remind us of the beauty and splendor of childbirth. It's supposed to be a beautiful thing. It's not supposed to be a horrible, ugly thing. That's I didn't. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, I so, love that. So I have a Bible that goes into the history because I had to look it up. The heck is a birthing stool? So apparently, women. <laughs> I got the, a visual, but I don't. I've never I'm seen one. I'm trying to figure. I'm like, how does that work? Because I mean, I know how the baby's supposed to be born. Because y'all about because neither one of us actually had a birth. We both had C sections. Yes, we did. Um, uh, they were not planned. But the women in the ancient world apparently uh, they would give birth in a crouching or kneeling position. Stools, stones, or bricks could be used to support the woman's weight during the process. Oh, I just don't know, man. Sounds awesome. Like I said, I got nothing because that is C-section because my baby, he decided he wasn't going to conform to this world from the beginning. But he nicely stretched out. And my, I was telling Dr. Amber that the other day and she goes, oh, you must have been uncomfortable. 
kissed out in December. He was born in January. Because you're tiny, Anna. That's what she said. You're so tiny. He had to, I'm like, well, he got uncomfortable and he stretched out. So I got this, I don't have a cute little scar. I got this big, massive scar, belly button down. But it did work out, you know, and he had been swaddled too, you know. I mean, he got mad if you tried to swallow him. Never mind. That was one of the few winters we had snow. <laughs> he don't care. Nope. But the funniest part is when he was at the Air Force training for the EMT. I get this text from him. He goes, Mom, I love you. Oh, my God, I love you too. But what's wrong? He goes, I watched a C-section. Oh, my. I'm sorry. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> but you had a C-section too, and yours was not exactly plain. Ladies, the, part of the, you're like, where are we going with this? One, we're talking about birthing stools. But two, our plans don't always go don't the way change. we want. But no. the Lord has a different plan. I will tell you, my scar, every time I see it, you can't miss it. I'm reminded that I was in trouble. Jesus rescued me. Yeah. I repented. There's your scar from it, but that's not who you are. That's not how you're defined. Right. Oh, that's a good analogy. Uh, yeah. He just actually gave it to me. Because oh. my scar bothers me a lot, and he just showed me, but that's not what defines you. Yeah. It does bother you. you you've talked about it numerous times, and I've actually, okay, weird, but I've actually seen the scar, and I don't think it's a big deal at all. Oh, I must have lifted up my arms. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were changing. Oh. You're, uh, not, okay, let's refine say, that. I'm, I'm, I'm like, she on. was trying on clothes, and I was in the, I was, I, she had changed. This is going <laughs> Going this in a bad is going okay. This is when so, you're really good friends. Yes, well, you were changing the other day oh, in the dressing that's right. room, I, and I couldn't come out in the dressing room. But I need you to see if it was husband approved. Yeah, yeah. And your shirt was up a little because it oh, was yeah. a, a crop top, and um, not something she was going to be wearing out in public, no. but you know, around the house. And and I saw your scar, but it's. I didn't think it was a big deal, but it's, but there are things that we each have yes. our own that we think is a big deal. Exactly. And that's you know, what nobody it, else cares. Right. About. And that's what he's trying to say, say yeah. to us. Don't let your past define you who yeah. you are today and what Jesus can do. We are never lost. We are never forgotten. Jesus changes everything. Yeah. And you almost died from your, uh, your giving birth. I did. Uh, my son, I almost died and my son actually did die. Luckily, I was in the process no of luck. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So I was in the process of getting an ultrasound at that very second, and the nurse could not find a heartbeat. And she's like, "There's no heartbeat." And she wasn't talking to me; she was talking to the monitor. And she's like, um, "Where's the heartbeat? Why is there no heartbeat? Where's the heartbeat?" And I said, "There's no heartbeat." Well, wow, she's discreet. And she looked over at me. I, she forgot I was in the room because she was starting to panic. panic. And she's like, oh, no, no, it's okay. It's just these things. I'll be right back. <laughs> and she actually, before she came back, she she started pumping on my stomach. And I realized now she was doing some sort of CPR. Yeah. And then a heartbeat popped up. See, she said, see, there he is. And I'll be right back. <laughs> and walks an entire team. <laughs> That's awkward. Yes. To, it's already awkward with what you're showing off, but hey, let's just yes, show it to everybody. Yes. And yes. So the entire team was there to save our lives. Yes. And it just, it snowballed after that. But um, very healthy boy. He, he was fine. Yeah. We're, we're, we're both fine. Yeah. <laughs> but that's importance of the nurse midwife. They were there to help. Yeah. And, and that's what part of our story is. They're there to help. That was their whole job, help you get birth, make sure this baby comes out. If there's any problems, they probably knew what things to try, like pumping stomachs. And uh, I think they even had ways of making the baby turn if they needed the baby turn. Um, it, we still have nurse midwives today. It's what our daughter-in-law uses as a nurse midwife. 
although he decided he wasn't going to show up normal either because, you know, he decided after a while that he was, that's it. I'm coming out because I need to stretch out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> My little grandson. Like father, like, like, like father, like son. Son. Some stretching yep. room. Yep. And, so and she's tidy too. So yep. he probably didn't have any room. No, he, he showed up way early and, but he loved his little bed with the, his little sun lamp. Oh, he did. <laughs> he loved it. He loved every second of it. So the, uh, mom and dad didn't, but he did. So um, going back to these two women. So the king of Egypt calls these two women in, except and expects them to kill any male child that he delivered. He wasn't going to do it himself. Did you notice that? He wasn't going to do it himself. Um, I don't know how he planned for them to take care of the job. It wasn't his problem. He no. was making it their problem. Yeah, I don't and think he cared. And that's what society does today. It's not our problem. It's your problem. You know, hey, there's an abortion clinic in your backyard. It's your problem now. And we're like, not on our watch. So we prayed all the time. We wanted that abortion clinic gone. Not Literally at the abortion yep, clinic. We walked pray. the sidewalks. Yeah, we prayed for the people. We prayed for wisdom, discernment. We prayed for emotional health, mental health. How we can we help these babies? We paid, prayed for but, the workers that but the we, Lord would yeah, speak to them. But we needed that place to go because it was going to be on our watch. Because it was just like them. They're like, hey, we're just going to kill the babies. No, not on our watch. Um, so he wasn't going to do the dirty work. He was going to let two women do the dirty work. Dirty work. Such a winner. Super um, upstanding guy. So this is what God says about the shedding of innocent blood. Okay. Because that's what this is. An abortion, you know, killing a preborn um, is, is shedding the innocent blood. If y'all haven't noticed by now, we are extremely pro-life. For mom and baby, for the dads, everybody. We're not pro-life. Just we, And you'll see later, we're not just about, hey, the baby's born. We don't care anymore. We want to see a mother, a child, a family from beginning to end. Flourish, Flourish, succeed. Yes, succeed, be successful, have a good family. Um, In in Jeremiah 22, one through three, thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O King of Judah, you who sit on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the plundered out of the hands of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. So God makes it clear. He hates the shedding of innocent blood. And that was going to be an ancient abortion. And God hated it then. He still hates it today. Um, His word is very clear. Yeah, it is. So, and, and you know, you hear things about, well, no shedding, uh, shedding of innocent blood, but what about the mother's life in danger? One, I've never seen a woman go to the hospital and say, oh my gosh, you got to go to an abortion clinic right now. It, <laughs> yeah. No. Never seen that. <laughs> it is going to be between her and the doctor and that that, that doctor is pro-life. He's going to work his best to save both lives. Yep. It may not happen. Someone may die. But his goal is going to have both live. In fact, Ray's grandmother was a nurse before you could go to school for it. So the doctors would teach the women how to be a nurse. And there was a story about this woman giving a baby. And the doctor came out to tell the husband, he goes, look, I, I, the baby's going to die. I cannot save both their lives. And that man went out to his vehicle, grabbed a gun, came back, pointed at the doctor and said, you're going to save both their lives now, aren't you? Oh, my. Guess what? Both lived. That mother and that baby both <laughs> lived. Nobody went to jail. Nobody went to prison. Suddenly that guy became a real pro-life doctor. Oh, I bet he did. So the goal is to save both lives. Yes. Sometimes they don't. And in fact, as when we were working on this, it was a lot of sadness. There were several children who died in the last couple of weeks while working on this, pad, uh, this, prod, uh, this podcast. And it just broke my heart. All of it was accidental. None of it was planned. You know, um, it was just, it was just tragedy. So uh, God's very, um, very 
adamant. In fact, he says, um, there's a lot of passages, but I wanted to read one more. Isaiah 59, 7. Their free feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are the thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. If you remember right, Abel's blood cried out to God. It did. So we know that these there's 73 million little voices that has cried out to God. And like I said, I want to really, I want Joanna to share her testimony. Y'all have heard snippets about her abortion testimony, but I want you to hear more about it because I want you to figure, hear why she was going through it, why she thought she had to have it. And, but I want you to hear the forgiveness. Not my proudest moment. No, but we want to hear the forgiveness, how God forgave her, how she found redemption, how she goes forward. She's not the same person because there is somebody listening that has either had an abortion thought about an abortion, maybe help somebody have an abortion thinking they were doing the right thing. And like I said, we are not about just, oh, there's the baby. Hi, bye. We're about the whole woman. When it says women's health, we're talking about physical, mental, and, abo- and, and emotional. And um, like I said, every everyone I've ever heard of and talked to, I have never heard one woman say that was the best moment in my life. Yeah. Every woman I've met has had some type of tragedy, even if she was hardened in the heart. And trying to convince you it was the right thing, like Joanna, I mean, in her in her testimony, she really thought she was doing the best thing for the baby. She really did. But as we look and grow, how do we help? And how do we help these little preborn babies so that we understand that there are little humans and they have the right to life? Yeah, I also was not a Christian. Disclaimer. Yes. Um, did not know the Lord at this time. letting us share our tools to become the women God created us to be. If we encourage you today, visit us at moderndayabigails.com. Remember, you are loved, cherished, and prayed over.